Hey everyone, and welcome to episode number 29 of the Aligned Performance Podcast, the podcast that deep dives beyond the daily hustle and explores how you can step into your highest self and achieve your potential with purpose. I am delighted to be here with you for another episode. If you don't already know who I am, my name is Trang. I'm your host for the show. And my mission is to help individuals achieve their greatest potential with purpose so that they can thrive at the highest level possible and use their power to contribute to a thriving world. Because that is my entire vision for this world. When individuals are thriving, then humanity is thriving. And when humanity is thriving, then this whole world, this whole planet will thrive as well. And it goes the other way. When the world and when the planet is thriving, then so will humanity and so will each individual. And I work with people in a very comprehensive and broad way to achieve their greatest potential, whether it's through my physiotherapy services, to help people overcome injury, whether it's through my running and strength and conditioning coaching to help them achieve their greatest physical potential or through life mentoring, through my group courses and in-person events to help people step up as not just a runner, but as a human being. So today's episode, you are in for a treat because this is a conversation with Fiona Marie a transformation coach who guides individuals to transform their lives, whether it be hobbies, relationships, career, money, spirituality, family issues, and more through doing the inner work, transformation and manifestation techniques. Fiona is highly trained in understanding the mind and human behavior. And today, is a deep dive into how the mind works and how we actually create our external results and our external reality through our inner world. So in other words, because our external results and achievements is only ever a delayed reflection of our internal world, Fiona explores in today's episode how you can transform your inner world to transform your life. So if you are someone who is frustrated or feeling stuck or helpless because you're not getting the results that you want, maybe you keep getting injured, maybe you're not getting progress in your training, maybe you're in a job that you don't like or isn't challenging you anymore, maybe you're not making enough money or you're inconsistent with habits or you keep procrastinating on starting a new project, Or in reverse, if everything is going well today, it's all about understanding why that is a reflection of what is going internally. More specifically, going into how having a lack of emotional development, having a lack of awareness of personal belief systems is a major limiting factor to external results because it is the personal belief systems, the personal perspective that drives us to perform at the deepest level. And then after exploring how this works, Fiona delves into different strategies and tools that you can use to become aware of your focus, to change your focus, overcome limiting belief systems so that you are able to create change inside out. 
This episode goes deep. So this is something that if you have enjoyed my previous episodes, you will be able to get a deeper insight into what it actually looks like. It's not just necessarily uh, motivational thinking. It's not just necessarily rainbows and sunshines all the time. But if you want to truly change your life, this is what the work looks like. This is what my work with clients and my courses look like. So today is all about sharing awareness around the power of emotional development and overcoming limiting belief systems so that you are able to apply this into your life and achieve your dream results, achieve your dream life. So buckle in and here is my conversation with transformation coach Fiona Marie. Let's go. Well, Fiona Marie, welcome to the Aligned Performance Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm very excited. And I know we both, we're both like buzzing, ready to go. Um, so for you, Fiona, you know, as a transformation coach, working with individuals to transform their lives in so many different aspects, starting from the inside. That's a big part of what we're talking about today. Do you want to start off by expanding on how, you know, our external world is a reflection of our internal world? Mm, For sure. So the easiest way to explain this is through a great metaphor I love to use. So if you imagine going to a movie theater and you sit in the movie theater and you're watching a movie, and you're sitting there going, God, I really don't like this scene. I'm not, I'm really not happy about this. I'm getting stressed from this movie. I'm like, all this fear is coming up. You can't actually pause the movie and demand that that movie to change right there and then. Without, you know, it's it's impossible basically. So what you actually have to do is go, okay, how do I want to redesign this scene of this movie and make it the way I actually want it to be? And so in doing that, you go away, get all the characters, redesign the actual scene. Then you reprogram the projector at the back of the movie theater to then restart playing a whole new different scene. So that's exactly how our brain works basically is nothing is external, it's all internal and it's projected through our perception of reality. So if you're having repetitive problems over and over again, yes, obviously structural things can happen in the physical plane and there are definitely a lot of things that you can do in the physical plane and at the same time, if it repeats, then it's something potentially internal. So it's something you have to go within and reprogram your perception of reality to see something external shift. Yeah, that's a, that's a great way to visualize that. It it ties into the saying that reality is in the eye of the beholder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's really like well, it's, your, it's your perception and your projection, right? Like reality is so in is subjective and individual to each person, mm-hmm. which can be tough to accept, can't it? Initially, when you haven't really thought of it that way. It can be because of people's challenges. So, you know, especially if a lot of people are experiencing trauma, they'll go, what, so I created this. And it's it's because at that point to, to basically explain, well, well, yes, but that's so powerful in knowing that because you can create changes and it's developing the compassion, sympathy for those who are going through those trauma responses to empower them to create changes in their world. Because like you said, that, that 
the saying perception is projection projection is perception of self is whatever you perceive within anyone else it's within you because you're seeing it through your own filters in your own eyes and that perception of reality is made up of your beliefs your values your past memories your decisions your meta programs so whether you're introverted or extroverted and that means that when you focus on someone you're really seeing yourself and that can be a challenge for people to become aware of because they go, but that person's an arsehole. And that doesn't necessarily mean, so as an example, that you're an arsehole, but it could be something within your belief systems to say, uh, inverted commas, uh, men are assholes, as an example. So through law of attraction, you'll attract your perception. So it's, it can be challenging for someone to initially have this, I call wisdom, because it can challenge your truth and what you're creating to go, well, I didn't want to create this. And I go, I know you don't want to create it, so let's change it. Mm. And knowing that you have the power to change it means that you're so fucking powerful. And it means that you don't have any answers outside of yourself, but you have the ability within yourself to create change. And I find that incredibly empowering, strong, and inspirational because, you know, you don't have to rely on anyone else, but you have yourself to navigate through life. Yeah. And you use that as an example, looking at someone else and seeing them as an asshole. But this goes for any challenges or any problems, whether it's someone who has um, experienced an injury or they're not getting the results they want in their training, you know, whether it's running, triathlon, in the gym, could be in career, could be in relationships. Do you have any stories to share? And I'm sure you've got heaps, but any that really stand out where this has been displayed, like your external results results or your external reality has been shifted when you change your internal projection yeah yeah for sure and I can well I can you know share an example of myself as well and of a client and before I go into that I just want to discuss the brains and how that actually works and influences our perception of reality because it's super imperative that you have the science understanding as well of how we actually create movement through our world so we'll have the reptilian brain which is the oldest part of the brain that is the fight flight freeze response and that is what seeks familiar so this is where as well it actually activates the RAS system the reticular activation system which is a focusing mechanism in the brain and basically even if something un that you don't desire is, is familiar you'll still seek it so then we have based on we'll have the reptilian then we have the limbic brain and that's where the emotions as memories are stored so without any emotions there's no engagement there's no movement there's no movement towards or away from something with no emotions which is your hormonal response you're in a neutral place so it's really important to understand the the limbic brain and how the hormones within that brain transmutes through every cell of your body and enables you to even move towards what you want or away from it and then you've got the last brain, which is the neocortex. And that basically is the conscious thought. So in that, an example of something like this activating within the neocortex is, oh, I never thought of that before. I never saw that before. Oh, is that why I responded the way I didn't react it that way? So that's a neocortex at play. And so basically I go, okay, well, how does this fit in then to performance in your internal and external reality? And basically we start with the RAS system. That in the reptilian, the response, the reptilian response to is, 
your values, your belief systems, your language, the story you're telling yourself, the stories you tell yourself encompass your belief systems. And then based on that, it'll have an emotional response as well. So emotions is either highly towards, which could be excitement, pleasure, enjoyment, knowing or away from emotions, which could be at your stress or your cortisol responses, or it could be fear, anxiety, same thing as fear or worry or doubt. And that actually moves you away from your outcome. So you take training, for example, you're in a stressed state, you've got the story you're telling yourself of going, I don't think I can do this, I'm doubting myself, what if I fail, what if I'm not good enough, then that is actually moving you away from your outcome and you're focusing on what you don't want. So your brain, the RAS system doesn't know what you do or don't want, only what you're focusing on. That's the key. So anytime someone languages something, you can really tell what they're actually focusing on and how they're creating their reality. And then the negative emotions, I go, that's moving you away from your results. You know, so an example is, I'll use an example for, with a client actually. So I've been working with her for about over eight weeks now. So she's a rugby player and a very good rugby player here in Perth. And basically she's a high performer in her team too. And every time she would uh, hit a hit a goal or try, whatever the saying is in rugby, <laughs> if she'd miss, there'd be this massive aggressive outburst, this complaint, this, oh my God, I suck, like, this, this condemnation of her personality and she'd really ridicule and criticize herself and her partner would be on the sidelines being like, it's all right, babe, like you can do this, it's fine. And basically what was happening is a tantrum was being performed basically. And then based on that, that tantrum, it then affected the results of her game throughout the rest of the game because she was running on a flight, uh, flight or fight mode, basically a fight response from the reptilian brain. And so basically we did some emotional work with her and released some emotions and cleared that anger. So basically she had stored anger within her, cleared out that anger, changed the story she was telling herself. And she comes back to the next session next week, goes, feel like you wouldn't believe it. And I go, oh, try me. She goes, I, I missed a goal and I didn't even care. It didn't even affect my performance. I was like, all right, cool. It is what it is. And it ended up being one of the best games I've ever had. And that's because her emotions were aligned. The story she was telling herself, she wasn't reactive. She wasn't getting that reptilian fight response anymore. She was keeping her emotions in alignment and responding based on that alignment, which yielded results. Yeah. So what you're saying is the external event, so missing the try was consistent, but what changed was the emotional response to that event. So really highlighting the power of the the internal response, like, that is actually what can create change to future results and future achievements, really. Absolutely, because instead now, so she was getting this reaction, then her whole system was on fighting with the stress response, so cortisol pumping through her body. Now, because of that emotion, she's now gotten away from. So like I said, emotions moving towards your outcome when you're in these flow states in intuition is because you're in alignment, you're seeing everything the way you want it to be, you, you know exactly where to be at the perfect time because you're literally in flow. And for her, what happened was she would get reactive, she'd create this story, I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy, which we haven't even discussed yet, but comes from childhood programming, which projected onto the game, it then affected the rest of the game for her. So her performance was influenced, her behavioural component, which is the external event, was driven by her internal negative emotion, creating resistance in then her results in the field. Mm. So you clear the emotion, right? The event didn't change, she missed a try, cool, doesn't matter. So she stayed aligned. Then the next goal she gets. So then she's moving towards what she actually wants. She's getting an up level in her results now. 
Yeah. Something that I have used as an example of this to my clients as well is I'm sure, actually, I don't know if this happened um, over there, but you know, when we first went into lockdowns last year, there was like two contrasting reactions to the same event. And this is when it first happened. So this is like, you know, irrespective of the um, subsequent consequences, but half of the people, or no, maybe not half, but a chunk of people in Melbourne went out and hoarded toilet paper. And then another solid chunk of people were like sitting at home going, what? <laughs> and it's just like the, the same thing. I don't know if you had that in Perth where the people were hoarding toilet paper over there. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's like another, I guess, example of how people have different emotional responses to the same event. And then that ultimately leads to other consequential events after that. Mm. And yes, we, yeah, for sure, we did have that here. And I actually, I just stand and watch and go, this is really interesting. But it's all human behavior because it's that scarcity mindset that comes in. And that, that's that been sort of projected on through generations from the war times when there was scarcity and they'd have to hoard things in cans and tins like that because they were like, I don't know when we'll eat. So then the same fear response happens again and they go to, if they freeze or they 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 are reactive rather than responsive and that's the challenge with what's been happening in the corona is a lot of people are being reactive rather than being responsive and this is what's causing chaos in the external world but the chaos is fantastic because chaos is a sign of change when all the trauma is actually surfacing for people to have a look at and address and know okay nothing's outside of myself I have to take responsibility for this what is making me decide to hoard this toilet paper what is this really about Mm, yeah and and last week we were talking about your experience with the rottenness island swim as well and how you also had a um, big shift within that one swim are you able to share that story with us as well yeah for sure so I did the rotto swim at the start of this year so that was in a team of four was the first time I'd ever done this so it was about a about a 20k swim and when we started it was amazing weathers the conditions were amazing and we're doing really well then what started happening was so my stroke in my head so I'm really conscious of what I tell myself when I'm in performance or if I'm training or something because I know the power of your focus in your mind will influence your performance so at the start of it I was the whole way from the start to the finish I just kept saying in my head I'm strong, I'm powerful, I'm strong, I'm powerful, I can do this, I'm strong, I'm powerful. And every time I was in the water, that was all I'd ever say. Now, we went through some rocky experiences on that one because it was one of the worst conditions in history at the Rotto Swim. The, the current was terrible. Everything about it towards the end, we ended up, they ended up can't, not pulling people out of the water if they didn't hit a certain checkpoint because the weather was that bad. And this whole time, one of my teammates as well, she got seasick and I'm going, okay, shit, like there's now three of us. Nah, this is fine. I've got this. Take one for the team. Get back in the water. Still, I'm strong. I've got this. I can do this. I'm strong. I'm powerful. Now, at the end of the swim, our paddler, so she paddled the whole 20Ks and basically she gave us feedback on our strokes at the end of it. And she was like, Fee, it was like really strange with you. Like, at the start, like your, your stroke was, I can't specifically remember what she said, but she was like, it was kind of like, like a bit unstable. So it's probably a bit unstable at the start. She goes, but it was so weird. Cause as you kept swinging, you just got stronger and stronger and stronger. And I never said anything to her. I never told anyone what I was saying in my head. And I just looked at her and giggled and I just went, 
again, it just reinforces what I already know to believe to be true about the power of focus in your performance. So I was focusing on what I wanted, focusing on making sure when I got to the finish line, I would still be energized and happy and it was all good. And whatever you focus on, you get. So language is a super important part of that focus. So it was really interesting that me not saying anything about what was happening in my internal world, someone external to me picked up on that story in my head. Yeah, that's a really great story because I think for a lot of athletes, especially um, you know, in the, in the endurance space, because you're you're doing the thing for so long, people can get really focused on the physical aspect. So, you know, have you done the training? You're either ready or you're not ready to do the event. But you've just shown that like your your stroke changed and it improved through the duration of the event. So that's Yes, it's, it could be a physical thing, but that's a really great example of no, it was actually something more internal that then expanded and showed up in your physical performance. Mm, for sure. And because this is a lot of people work on the physical components, like we said, so the physical being the skill set. Okay, how do I get skilled at this? But they don't actually focus on mindset. And your mindset is what are my belief systems? How do I respond to what I'm doing? And why am I doing what I'm doing? Because a lot of the time, even when people are so into their training and say, an example, an injury occurs, there's actually a reason why that injury occurred. And sometimes it is something more metaphysical, I call it spiritual, emotional, mental, than it is physical. And a story about that is I was talking to a client Actually, this was like in perfect timing for, for our chat today. I was talking to a client a couple of days ago and I, I hold uh, surf yoga transformation retreats down south here and she was at one of the retreats I held and she actually broke her foot on one of our retreats and it was the, a way of thinking, how the hell did she break her foot? Like, I don't understand how that happened. And basically, it, six months later, I was chatting to her a couple of days ago and she was like, yeah, you, you, like, you wouldn't believe it. I actually figured out why I actually broke my foot. And I was like, oh, well, like, go on. Then she goes, well, I was talking to my mom and through that time, I, I actually hadn't talked to her for two years. So I've had, I was having a lot of challenges with the feminine energy. And basically then I, I started healing my relationship with my mom and I ended up telling her about my foot. She goes, oh, I actually did the same thing. And so did your, your grandma. And there was this ancestral line of this pattern of foot breakage because there's conversations around the left side being your feminine energy. So not taking care of yourself, not looking after yourself, all of that. And it was an opportunity for her to actually resolve that ancestral line. So I know potentially your community had not been uh, exposed to this, the metaphysical side of things, but it can be something more ancestral based and conditioning in the unconscious mind than it is physical. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like um, with diet, right? Like if someone's struggling to lose weight, it's probably not just because they're, they're eating too much. Like, yes, at a surface, look, that's what's happening. But then if that just keeps happening, you know, they, they, can't, they can't achieve that over years and years and years. They've tried 20 diets over the years. It's like there's something else going on there. That is the root cause of that. So same as same as injury. If someone keeps keeps getting injured, and um, for your client, you know, if she broke her foot, that might have been an acute injury. But say if it's an overuse injury, where it's just like, you know, are they why why are they continuing to train too much all the time, or going too hard too soon all the time, um, and and it does go very deep. Mm, definitely. And it can be. I mean, it'll be very individual to the person. So say, for example, like the nutrition discussion. For sure, if that if I was to observe that, then I would 
yes, there could be some other physical components, but I deal with emotions, spirit and mental. So I go, right, we've got to find out the core of this. And a lot of the time it's a, it could be a self-sabotage or a belief system, belief systems they have about themselves about not actually being able to do that. And that, that will then affect nutrition. So nutrition, no matter what they do, they don't get the results because it's actually something within their psyche that's not yielding the results. And it's more probably around stress response. What's making them decide to be so focused on nutrition rather than being relaxed about it? What is the energy behind the nutrition in the first place? Why are they so fixated on it? Is it a control mechanism? Is it certainty? Is it, I want to lose weight so someone will love me and I'll fit in and I'll belong and I look great. You know, a lot of those drivers aren't healthy and therefore they will create stress responses in the body and make you store fat rather than lose it. Mm. We're going to go back and we are going to look into how this works and, and why and why this is the case. But before I go back and um, explore that, you did mention feminine energy before. So are you able to speak on that a little bit more and um, differentiate between the feminine and masculine energy? Yeah, for sure. I like this is one of my favorite topics. So <laughs> we have within us it, both male, female, um, you know, transgender, any, any type of human, any type of human, we have a masculine and feminine energy within us. Now, masculine energy is the doing energy. It's the mental plane. It's the physical plane. It's the action orientated. So it's results, it's standards, it's boundary setting, it's um, having your own sort of sense of self. And then we've got the feminine energy, which is more around being, around relaxation, around creativity, around the emotional plane, around what's possible for each other, the nurture plane. And so basically what happens with people, say, for example, we take um, a female, if she's had some sort of abuse growing up around the masculine energy, maybe her father was abusive or even passive and her mother was potentially uh, the masculine energy, she won't actually feel safe in feminine energy so she'll become a man and not like look like a man but the energy she'll shut down her feminine energy she'll experience no flow in her life no radiance but become so basically hard in order to protect herself now that can happen even from the masculine perspective for a man who's underdeveloped if he's had an emotionally abusive father or a father that wasn't proud of him then his ability to develop his masculine energy can stagnate and he can stay in boy energy so it's really imperative, I find, or, or it's a great tool to utilize. And I always say tool because everything's tools, a tool to utilize of where you're at because the feminine energy is your emotions too. So do you have your emotions at play when you're in performance? I know you've probably got your skills down packing your delivery, but are you looking into the place of possibility around uh, raising your standards in performance? What are your standards going into what if mentality and making sure the feminine energy is in flow with your implementation? or else you get these stuck states. If you're stuck, because I know you've mentioned some of your clients get stuck, stuck is not clear on my outcome. I don't actually know what I want and I don't have any energy and hormones moving me towards what I actually want. I'm disassociated. Mm. I, I literally, as you were saying, I was like, I literally put an Instagram poll up yesterday about do you actually know, you know, clearly what mm. you want? But I think that's a really great way of um, explaining that, like, when I first learned about feminine and masculine energy, I used to get really confused. I thought it was like a, a male female thing, but mm. it's not that, as you say, there, there are both types of energies and both qualities in every single human and mm. both are required to really thrive and achieve your greatest potential. Like you might be able to do well to a certain level, right? 
in one in one dominant um, plane. Like if you are just in GSD mode all the time, uh, just can't like get shit done mode, just doing all the time, it'll get you to a certain place. But it's like, what if you also harness the power of the feminine energy and and you, maybe your results could skyrocket even further. Mm, absolutely, yeah. and that that in that is making sure because implementation is great. It being in flow but if it's creating stress responses then you go okay i need to pause for a moment and realign my energy before i implement and that alignment energy is your feminine energy people will implement based on away from emotions and it will delay outcomes it delays results it actually reduces the quality of the result because they're not aligning their energy first a person aligned to their energy has more influence than millions of people out of alignment so i always say to people What's your energy like? Get your energy in point first. Get your emotions in point first, then act. But they don't because they don't know how to embody the feminine energy. They don't know how to language emotions. They're disassociated from emotions. They could be disassociated from emotions because they're afraid to feel the fear or what's actually trauma response from the past. So they go, I don't want to feel anymore. This is too painful. But then that has a ramification on their results and performance in the external world. In my opinion, it's my perception, like, your emotions is super, and the feminine energy is super important to be able to master whether you're male or female or whatever you identify as. Yeah, I can definitely vouch for that. You know, as being someone who's grown up full blown too far into only exhibiting masculine energy, um, it's been really great to swing the other way and embrace the other aspects as well. So for anyone who may have heard this for the first time, this is the first time they're hearing about this, what would you recommend for them to do if they want to improve their awareness? Like what exercises can they do to actually run a fine comb through how they show up and, and see what aspects they're, you know, are their strengths or what aspects are their weaknesses? Well, what you can do is go through a journaling process, right? So with, with journaling and writing, you can create incredible awareness around what is actually going on. So a tool you can do is at the end of each day, pull out your journal and go, what were my heightened emotional events during the day? So even really heightened good events and, and you know, inverted commas, bad events that have affected me emotionally. And you pinpoint those emotions and you go, well, pinpoint those events. Then for people who don't have emotional intelligence yet, so one aspect of emotional intelligence, in my opinion, is languaging emotions, knowing exactly how you're feeling. And if people don't yet know how to language emotions, which is the common case and very common case for clients I work with, pull out. There's plenty of displays, um, plenty of emotional types on the internet and even happy to send your community types of emotions from, from my work and look at the emotions and go, okay, based on this event, how did I feel during this event, this trigger, what happened? And in your own intuition, when you scan the words, will pick up a word for you and you go, I felt so worried. I felt stressed. I felt joyful, I felt inspired. So really start to language your emotions and how you actually felt during those emotions. Then through free writing, you go, okay, what caused this emotion? What caused this? So what happened? What event happened? And they get you get them to write out the event and that event will be filled with belief systems. It will be filled with what they're focusing on. And it's a really beautiful way to start building up self-awareness of what do I actually believe to be true that's creating this emotional response? Because your beliefs will then influence how you respond and you want to look at, are my beliefs serving me, moving me towards what I want or away from me? And the quickest way to identify your beliefs is going, 
how did I feel in those emotions, in, in those heightened emotional experiences? Mm. So yeah, journaling going deeper than just doing the, oh, what are the top three things I'm grateful for today, right? <laughs> just a little bit deeper. I tell, I tell you about that. So why why that doesn't work yet. So not so that is really important to start getting people to focus on the gratitude but the thing about gratitude is so i call it appreciation because usually gratitude there's resistance in it because you're 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 grateful to have overcome something and this is your life now so there's still potential resistance that can happen in gratitude so basically with appreciation in order to be grateful or or appreciate right you actually have to be in the vibrational vicinity of that emotion so if you're stressed in stress response and you're going okay what am i grateful for that's actually could create more resistance in how you're feeling so you actually have to shift through your emotions and change your emotional response first to then come up to a more neutral energetic response to then appreciate and be grateful because then you feel it in your heart rather than intellectualize it there's no point doing it absolutely and and like what you're saying is the the foundations you need to get your emotional state right first rather than just writing out things at a mental level like just listing things out but it doesn't work unless you actually feel it right Mm -hmm. absolutely for awareness of masculine and feminine energies would it also work to um look at all the things that you do in a day like the key things that you do and uh dig into why you're doing them like so whether it's for like success or recognition or more money or power versus to to receive love and to connect um and to like slow down would would that also be an uh, an activity because that's that's something that i've done before i mean so the first thing i want to say is if something's not a problem for you yet it's not a problem Right. So it's only when your life is, there's problems that are eventuating in your life to then go, okay, I need to have awareness around what's actually going on. And that is definitely something you can do. One of the, because a lot of the people uh, are in masculine energy, feeling like they need to do all the time and they have the inability to actually sit still and be. Right. Now, if they have the inability to sit still and be, then they're having challenges with their feminine energy. Uh, potential mother challenges that are happening you know someone conditioning them to always be in performance so one of my one of my challenges growing up was um uh <laughs> so my mum. we have a great relationship today but the way I was brought up was conditioned for results and achievement and basically unless I did extremely well I wouldn't get that love from her and it'd be disappointment and these sighs and these like, oh, you're not good enough projections. And so I got conditioned to perform. So I wasn't aware of this. So, but the condition to perform was, was the value of stress with performance. So, and achievement. So achievements of value and so is stress. So anytime I'd go to achieve something, there'd always be stress involved in it. So that would be something great to look at. Say if I was to look at my day going, okay, how did I respond to my level of achievements and go, what's the purpose for me actually wanting to achieve? What is it giving me? And you have to bring it internal. What's it giving me? How's this a problem for me? And your own unconscious mind will tell you your answers. Well, if I don't achieve, people won't accept me, right? So therefore there's rejection. If I don't achieve, people will reject me. So there's rejection in alignment with achievement and, and, um, and your values are not constructed in the way your psyche wants it to be to create a, a fulfilling life. So it's a great, like you said, you can do that in terms of, okay, where was my masculine energy at today? Did I have incorporate any feminine energy? And the feminine energy is like re- restoration, basically. If I didn't relax today, I'll take time to be. And that's been consistent. What's the purpose of me not actually taking time to be? 
what's it giving me? Because there's always a gain of why anyone ever does anything. It's giving them something. Mm. And it's like, why am I avoiding, like slowing down and recovering? What do I actually think about that deep down? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And you see, you know, high performers, right? High performing athletes, they'll always say their recovery is just important, if not more important than the actual training itself. Mm-hmm. You get your heart, you'll see all of them say that they visualize, they take time to rest and recover. It's mostly more important than the actual game itself and performance itself. Yeah, that's actually really interesting. Slight side note, um, you know, I've seen a lot of, oh yeah, people being embracing the fact that we need to recover. I think that's something that a lot of people recognize, but still a lot of people, they they say that, but they don't actually embody it. Like they're like, oh yeah, you know, I'm, I'm the first to tell all my clients to rest, but you know, I've been a bit naughty and I've still worked hard. So like the embedded belief system is still that, you know, it's more worthy or it's more impressive or whatever to still hustle. Um, yeah. And yeah, that's just something that I've noticed anyway. <laughs> How our entire society is built. Yeah, literally. Right? It's built off fear and stress responses rather than creativity and inspiration. If people were aligned, the world would be responding very differently right now. Absolutely. So we, we've we've covered masculine and feminine energy, but let's go back to talking about how your external results or even your external like external challenges and results are a reflection of your internal thought processes. Your your everything that you experience is a projection of you. So you did mention RAS and you did mention, you know, values, belief systems. Um, I know that's something that we are very familiar with and we, we talk about with our clients, but are you able to expand on that more and describe how that actually works? Why is everything external actually a projection of us? Mm-hmm. Okay, so the best way to start explaining it is uh, from when we're children, when we're a baby, basically. So when we're zero to seven years old, we, we basically start fresh and clean so we've got no no belief systems nothing we're literally in observation of the world and this is what's called the imprinting stage so we're sitting there we're observing mum and dad primarily or those closest to us who raised us and we go oh that's what love is that's what achievement is that's how you do business that's how you do friendships that's how you do finances okay and they're literally absorbing and being imprinted on these belief systems now after seven years old so what happens in that period of time it's called your critical faculty and that's the gatekeeper between the unconscious and conscious mind and that's wide open so everything's going into the unconscious mind to be inverted commas programmed after seven years old that critical faculty will shut and now your perception of reality is what it is now based on what's happening the way you do emotions is conditioning all emotions is you're being conditioned for position observing how mom and dad basically did their emotional response and then what they conditioned you to be like when you displayed any form of emotion as an example Mm. then you go through upbringing seven onwards after seven to about 12 13 years old where now you're looking at the 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 teachers friends different types of like your movies your tv shows with all different types of belief systems then you get into the aspects of teenagehood where you start to challenge the family tribe and challenge the family tribal values basically that's where rebellion starts to happen i'm trying on different types of belief systems now and seeing if this works that's why you know you have to a twin twins with a father one will become the alcoholic one won't because there'll be a choice that's being made Either I accept the belief systems of my father or reject them, as an example. And so basically, your perception of reality through that point gets programmed for us to survive in this world. It's it's what our ego is constructed by. Now, a lot of people call 
the ego a negative thing, but everybody has an ego. Even enlightened Buddhas have an ego because being called a Buddha is an ego in the in, in itself. It's their identity, full-on identity. So it's it's we based on that we construct this personality that then moves us through reality through our emotional responses. So why why is our external reality projection of our internal? I don't know why it happens. It just is. That's all I can explain to it. To to answer that question, I think from my perspective would be answering why are we here. Why yeah. are we programmed in this way and going down a whole philosophical or even an alien discussion around what our purpose is here? Well, all I do know is, is we have the power to change our life. We have the power to transform our life. If it's not going the way we want it to go, it's fine. What are we focusing on? What's our RAS system focusing on? What's our programming? Because the way you are creating everything in your reality begins from what you believe to be true as a child. Mm. that's why going external to change things sometimes isn't always beneficial you have to go internal you know, changing the unconscious mind the unconscious belief systems yeah definitely it's like as as you say that imprint stage under seven years old so powerful such a such a crazy well, not crazy but yeah it, there's a lot that can be absorbed like a sponge right during that time and i think you know, I was just thinking as you were talking, it, it's obvious in humans, but I think, you know, a, another obvious way to look at it is like in dogs as well, like dogs who have been in a family where they've been abused, even if they get adopted into a different family, um, years and years and years and years after they still react to a loud noise in the same way with fear, right? Um, and then it, it's just like, yeah, got to go deep and look at though what's really underneath all these reactions and responses and triggers. Um, you know people getting triggered by other things it's like yeah it's external but also what is it within you that is causing you to be triggered right mm, exactly like the, the trigger response right you get triggered by something visual auditory kinesthetic olfactory or gustatory right so your triggers is your reflection of what can be collapsed so like this is all conditioning so you talk about the dog what happened with the dog is conditioning so there was an emotional boost that moved him away or it away from loud noises so basically loud noise and anchor happen in their auditory response fear hear a loud noise fear develop move away from so there was a conditioning around that noise now you can i know that dog therapists are out there where you can collapse those anchors because you can definitely do it in humans so of course you'd be able to apply it to animals so with with example with a human right how it'll happen is say a child through upbringing the dad was emotionally abusive and so every time uh he the dad would yell at the child the, the child would experience a negative emotion so there was an auditory anchor to the tonality of the voice listening that emotional response so then that's programmed so then through time that that child will grow up go into situations at school or in a relationship or in a work environment where someone will talk to them with the exact tonality that the way that their father did and the trigger will occur and the emotional response will happen not realizing that it's an anchoring that's taken place and a trigger response that's happened and that can change you can collapse that so however someone talks to you you can clear it, not have any emotional response and go, wow, I wonder if they're having a fucking bad day. Like, what's, what's going on with them? That you're neutral about it. Yeah. So you mentioned before, you know, journaling is a, is a great way to start to uncover some of these belief systems. Now, once people start to become more aware and understand that, yeah, this is actually a deep 
truth that I accept without even realizing, you know, an unconscious belief system. What are some of the ways that you um, coach your clients and some of the ways that you would suggest for people to start to shift and to change these belief systems? Because as you said, it's possible. Everyone's in control, right? And even though it might have been developed from a young age, it doesn't mean that it's going to, it has to be permanently there forever. No, absolutely not. Please know that change Anything can change. Everything can change. You as a human, no matter how old you are, you can change, but you have to want it. (laughs) That's the key, right? Because people get gains out of staying in pain. They get a secondary gain to stay in what's called the drama cycle. Codependency happens. Why change when someone's giving me my needs right now? So I'm going to stay looping in this negative emotion, even though I don't like it in this negative experience. So you have to, you're, you're, you have to actually want to change. I don't work with anyone who's not ready to change. I ask very specific questions because I go, I don't want to waste either of our times. If you're ready to change, let's do this. And so to discuss with the belief systems, to give some clarity around what belief systems are and how the first step in any change is awareness. If you're not aware, you can't change it. So having conscious awareness of yourself is super imperative for transformation. So a simple way so one to explain belief systems they're literally just thoughts you keep thinking about over and over and over again and through law of attraction it starts to download into physical reality and then you experience the evidence of it right all our beliefs are carried on certain frequencies and what frequency are you tuned into to experience that reality right we have several different timelines of reality so to begin the process of changing your belief systems just becoming aware of them will create an incredible result of you shifting your perception moving forward. And a simple way you do this, and this is what I get clients to do, I go, okay, pick an area of your life. And usually I find a leverage point, but I go pick any area of your life, and it could be your relationship, your friendships, your career, your hobbies, your your performance, like, you know, running, training, whatever you're training in, uh, your spirituality, your finances, your home environment. And you go, "What, what is my main problem area right now? And then you go, all right, so I'm going to pick um, my performance and my being an athlete, right? I go, my some hobbies, right? I'm going to trust the first person that comes to my mind from childhood. And it's either mum, dad, brother, sister. I'm going to pick someone from my childhood and I'm going to write out what do I believe to be true that they, that they believe. So how did they respond in performance, right, in their hobbies? What were their belief systems about it? What were their emotions about it? What did they tell me about it? And you free write and you go, some people go, how, how will I know what my mom and dad believe? And I go, trust whatever comes to your mind and go with that. And so you free write and you keep going, what else, what else, what else, what else? And you get this whole page out and you go, okay, have I accepted these beliefs or have I rejected these belief systems? And more often than not, a lot of these belief systems would have been accepted. And so now you go, okay, what do I specifically be to be true? And what's the evidence of this in my reality? And it will happen not only in your performance, but it will happen in different areas of your life if you have that core belief system. So it could be like hypothetically, I'll never be good enough in my training as an example, right? Because my mom always always told me to be better, to be better, to be better. So therefore I'm, I was never enough, never enough, never enough. So that core belief system is, uh, what well, could be a core belief, but it's a belief system because there's what's called tables in your belief. Of, yeah, it's a bit more of an advanced discussion around that, but it's say that I, I'll never be enough. You go, okay, what's the opposite of that? Right? If I want to focus on something new, what's the opposite of that? And it's 
I really enjoy performing as an example and not linking it to I'm good enough in performance go okay what would that mean to me I'm re- I'm a really good performer I'm a high I'm a high high level achiever now that'll be your new focus now what you can do is and this is more of a manual way of doing it rather than say the transformation work with I do with clients which you shift that within minutes within a client session a longer way to do it is start seeking evidence of that new change because what can happen though is that I'm not good enough. There could be some stored emotions sitting under that belief system that need to be cleared out. So a simple way if people want to do it on their own manually is go, okay, I'm going to focus on this now. I'm going to set an intention to attract evidence that I am actually a high performer. Now, what will begin to happen is at the end of each day, reflect what was the evidence that this existed? What was the evidence that this built momentum in my life? And you're training the RAS system to focus on what you want. And what will begin to happen is you'll probably start attracting people who will help you with your performance, who have the skill set you require to up level. And you'll begin to attract evidence that will reinforce this new belief system of how to actually implement this in your life. Mm, love that and you know what you say about journaling to understand you know what your parents might have thought um that's often quite subtle isn't it like it's not like your your mum or your dad would be like yeah you're not good enough or if you don't get a's or if you don't um win medals or trophies you're unworthy they won't necessarily say that but it's just like in the subtle things that they'll and how they'll respond like if you win they'll give you um you know they'll take you out for dinner or they'll they'll give you a reward and if you don't they like it's the reactions less and it's just like all those subtle things over and over and over and over again right yeah that they'll add up like even because remember that nothing has meaning till you give it meaning so it'll be up to that individual's construct of the way they applied meaning to their to their childhood growing up you know and a lot of clients work with they'll be pissed off at mom like a lot of anger about mom or they'll blame her for everything or be sad about dad and there'll be challenges with dad and they may say things like oh no but they're really good but underlying the unconscious is like I'm fucking pissed off at you mom I'm pissed off at you dad like you didn't meet my needs in x y and z so you're right it won't specifically be I'm not good enough because people don't really have their language for that, but it will be unless I performed well, I wasn't rewarded. And mm. so they're conditioned to perform well. So you can you can look at the behavioral component too. What was the behavior of my parents in regards to the values that were actualized in our family? Yeah. And that and that, you know, points to the, the belief system, the embedded belief system. But you know what? Like that, that continues to happen every day. Like on the social media, someone gets a PB, they put it up and it's like kudos, like all the compliments. And then, you know, if it's not, then it's just like crickets. Well, not always, but it's quieter, isn't it? So it's just an ongoing thing. But as you say, you've got to find the evidence to support the new belief system that's going to be right for you. For sure. Because this is this is the thing about reality, right? Is nothing is true and everything is true right (laughs) yeah that's the paradox right whatever you believe to be true will exist yeah so if you believe it you're going to experience it if you don't believe it you won't experience it so it's all about what do I choose how do I choose to create my reality and what does that look like sound like feel like touch what's smell like what's the first stages that will get me onto this pathway so there's always choice and you can create whatever reality you want a shitty reality or a good reality but you have to decide what you want and focus on it so like journaling and I know you're big on meditation as well you know doing multiple hour meditations can you share more about like 
you know, the benefits of that or what meditation is, first of all, and how that can also be very powerful in shifting these, these internal thought processes. Yeah, for sure. So meditation is actually another strategy and tool you can actually utilize to change your belief systems. And why is, so I'm going to give my meaning of it and it won't be, it won't be sort of necessarily the Buddhism aspect, but this is how this best resonated with me that changed my life. So with meditation, what it does is because your mind is so used to creating these thought processes and consistent thoughts over and over and over again, with meditation, sitting in meditation and calming your mind and anyone who says, I can't calm my mind, I literally go, I believe that you believe that. It's a belief system. If you believe that you can and you believe I'm open to feedback, I'm open to constructive feedback and I'll give it a go until I get it, as an example, right? So it's you, everyone can calm their mind, everybody, right? So you can sit, you calm your mind and what that does is because of most of people's thoughts processes have, are quite resistant and negative, sitting in meditation and experiencing this place of isness and non-thought actually enables you to increase your vibration, your energy, and tune into different ways of thinking. So you, when you get to like a deep stage of meditation as well, you can receive ideas, receive intuitive responses and ways to check why your belief systems change is because you no longer think in the same way you used to because you can't access those thoughts. And if you see us as like a radio station, we tune into certain frequencies that broadcast on those channels. And if you're, say, on, I don't know what radio stations you have over in Melbourne anymore. I used to be there, but like, I say, like, Fox FM. Fox FM. And what's another one? Fox Triple M. Yeah. Well. well, Triple M and Fox Fox, right? So basically, when you're on, you're on Fox, you can't pick up anything that's going on on Triple M. Nothing. You can't hear the broadcast because you're tuned mm. into a different frequency. We're exactly the same. And meditation enables you to increase your frequency to a higher vibration of more like love, joy, appreciation, to then experience and attract different thoughts because you are not your thoughts. You're a receptor. You're receiving these thoughts and thinking them based on your frequent, based on your vibration and where you're tuning into. So by calming your mind, you're increasing your energy and increasing your vibration and tuning into different frequencies that enable you to think differently and therefore attract differently. I love that analogy. I hadn't actually thought of that before. So it's just like, yeah, meditation, a really powerful way to consciously shift what you know, frequency you're tuning into to serve you better. So instead of focusing on certain things that might not be serving you, like, oh, I'm not good enough or you know, I have bad genes or something, then it can turn to the opposite of that. Mm, for sure. Like when I began, med- like I've been meditating for years now and it changed my life. At the start, I couldn't even sit in meditation for five minutes. Mm. That's how I had panic attacks. I had anxiety, depression, all of that. I couldn't sit for five minutes because my mind was racing. But my desire to feel good well outweighed my pain response that I went, I don't, I've heard so much, so many benefits about this that I'm going to keep going, keep going. And now I can sit in, to, in meditation for well long periods of time to calm my nervous system. It's super. There's so many different benefits. It's insane. But it is a tool that you can utilize to change your belief systems. Yeah, definitely. So for anyone who is interested in starting a meditation as a tool to tune into their thoughts more, where would you suggest them start? Well, there are actually so many opportunities. So there's plenty of apps. There's One Giant Mind. There's Calm. Calm has a wealth on there. Headspace is another great one. Um, there's also even on YouTube, there are several people on YouTube. Now, this is the thing with meditation. It's uh, it's 
you can start with guidance and the key though is to sit in silence and focus on like if you sit down and just focusing on a hum or that's why people in you know in transcendental meditation they have a certain saying that they use just to repeat it over and over again so they're not using their thoughts then they're focusing on a central point so but you know that's a bit more of an advanced technique but it's the any any apps on your phone will have plenty i think there's some prices and the subscriptions but they're all great starting points to begin the process of calming your mind because you calm your mind you can then also start visualizing and with visualization you attract a new future and timeline reality into your now moment yeah and it doesn't have to come with like the crystals and and all the all the stuff does it it's just it's just a, a process to tune in and in, increase your self-awareness it's tuning into yourself it's being at one with yourself and no you don't have to use crystals crystals mm-hmm. they i mean you know crystals like anything carry certain vibration and it's not so much about the crystal itself but the intention behind what that crystal means to the person like i said nothing has meaning until you give it meaning so if crystals work for you because it makes you feel good maintain it if you don't care about crystals doesn't matter it really doesn't the whole point about it is is tuning into yourself rather than tuning into other people yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, both of us coming from backgrounds where it was all about achievement and doing, I don't know about you, but I know I used to be like, oh, I don't need meditation. Like that's just for hippies, but um, you, you can start off. I think some of these apps start with like just two minute meditations, right? Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, it, it gradually gets longer if you feel like that's, um, you're ready for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, increase, you can increase it gradually. Yeah, because for me, I mean, I used to be chartered accountant. So I used to work in the corporate world, top four companies, you know, worked for two of them. And, and in those, there was a lot, no, what the first one anyway, and I won't, won't mention who I work for, the first company, terrible, no mindfulness whatsoever. The whole business was driven by fear and stress and money there was no creative energy in that business whatsoever the second one there was a lot more movement into mindfulness and I used to actually whilst I worked for that company when I was transitioning into human behavior I used to actually on my lunch break go down to like a Buddhist temple in the city when I was in Melbourne and actually go to their meditation classes and it was because my driver to feel good and calm my mind was so strong I'd finally had enough of feeling how I was feeling and my desire to feel good was just huge so I started all you have to do is start just step one foot forward if it's two minutes two minutes amazing I did two minutes more than I've ever done and you give yourself positive and loving feedback and go I'm maybe I'll add an extra minute tomorrow and you can gradually increase it until it becomes your new identity because it's an identity I'm a meditator I value meditation because of x y and z there's whole belief systems within meditation and it is yeah like exactly and I've never not met anyone anybody who has ever meditated not said it's made them feel good Mm, same as exercise it's like at the start people are resistant but afterwards after some time they're like oh yeah I'm actually kind of addicted to this because it makes me feel so good exactly Exactly. it's like the endorphins the serotonin the movement we're designed to move but people are sedentary and stuck at home and not moving their bodies and that's what creates another depressed state because people aren't moving Mm, I love that and you know for anyone who is wondering you know how is meditating going to get me um, to to run better in my in my race like it's along that cascade of results that happen you know you start with meditation you start with that awareness right or journaling as well either of those tools Mm. you start with that increase your self-awareness you realize that it's actually a belief system that you think you're not good enough or your genes are holding you back or whatever 
And then you can consciously overcome that, do the thing that you need to, and then get better. And it's, it's all very closely linked more than a lot of people realize. It is because if you have the power, because this is the thing about, say, if you're a runner, as an example. Now, I know a lot of runners actually get into meditative states when they're running and because they're, they're focusing on one thing and they're actually not even thinking. So meditation doesn't have to just be sitting down. You, you can actually do meditation in a variety of different ways, sitting out in nature, observing nature, watching the movements. It doesn't have to just be sitting and going within. You can meditate externally. And for runners, if you have the ability to sit in meditation and calm your mind, it means when you're performing you're not reacting to to things going wrong or whatever's happening you're you're responding and you're neutral about the situation and this is why lining your energy before you do anything is so imperative because you attract your energy field right stress response in your body you're going to attract stress joy you'll attract joy it's all a mirror if your game's gone really well i guarantee you because you've been aligned Mm, yeah yeah line performance <laughs> that's it so we're getting to the end of the episode but I do want to ask you this you know from your experience with working with clients so, so we've spoken about different tools like journaling and meditation to overcome limiting belief systems so that okay. external results can show up and, and can reflect those internal changes so mm-hmm. in your experience what are some of the biggest challenges that you've seen people experience like any roadblocks people have experienced while starting this inner work and how have they been overcome so yeah this is an interesting question so the biggest roadblock i have i ever find people with is not the journey itself but the start Mm. crossing the threshold the, the hero's journey concept by joseph campbell right the the decision to change your life right because now you're going to from familiar to unfamiliar, and your reptilian brain is freaking either fright, flying, or freezing. So to cross the threshold is actually the biggest block for people to transition into transformation because it's, I'm actually going to lose something when I actually go on this journey. And what will that mean? And a lot of times, say, for example, you may lose friends, you may, things will start to happen differently in your family dynamic, et cetera, because you've changed and therefore your point of attraction changes. So along the journey, I find for me, is with clients it's easier having a guide so if you have a coach or a guide guiding you through the process that is much easier I have found than doing it on your own because there are people inverted commas who are stubborn because I used to be one of them no no I can figure this all out my own I've got I can do this I can do this and the minute the minute I humbled myself and became vulnerable and allowed someone else to guide me was the minute my life completely changed because they were living the life that I desired to live and they guided me into how to live that. Now you'll go through your hero's journeys, your tests, your allies, your enemies, your ordeal, your dark night of the soul, your your, uh, test where everything, all your tools you've learned will come to you. But having that guide there uh, enables you to transition more effortlessly. But then the core of it is then you have to do that the rest of the journey on your own to to build independency. So yeah to answer that it's mainly crossing the threshold that is the biggest to start it then once you're getting the ball rolling like anything it becomes easier now it doesn't mean that you're not going to be faced with challenges because everything manifesting in your life is a projection of your unconscious mind it's just are you aware of what you're manifesting or not and sometimes it could be challenges with a boss or with you know a member at your club or um, lack of finances or something something's happening the phys- everything external to us is a metaphor symbolism 
So it's more having the skill set to navigate these journeys is super important. And a lot of people don't actually have them. They stay stuck in their old world, not ready to go on the journey of change. Mm. This is where Stephen Pressfield's work, you know, that resistance just really rings out because it's like the hardest step, as you say, or the most challenging step that people face is taking the first step. And that Mm -hmm. may be for many reasons, but it could very much be because they've got resistance to, um, doing that inner work because of their belief systems about doing the inner work but you know funnily enough it's like that is the exact thing that they need to work on the most and and that's where in hero's journey as you say which is the journey that people go on as they grow and evolve um the gatekeeper you know the the enemy that stops them from getting started or entering into the new realm is the thing they need to work on the most for sure and there'll be two there'll be two uh, objections a masculine or a feminine projection objection I don't have time. I don't have the money. What if this doesn't work? What if I can't? What if I can't do this? So there's always some sort of like projection that will happen. And when they objection, sorry, when they go on the journey, it'll be to absolve that, to resolve that objection, and know that they can do anything, or they can they can make the time. Because even that conversation, I don't have time. I heard bullshit. It's not important enough for you to make the time. You can make time for anything important to you. What yeah. are you going to do to make this work? and make the time as an example and two questions you can ask yourself is if I was to change and go on this inner work what am I going to lose if I was to change and go on this inner work what will I gain because it's going to find out your motivations why you're staying in the old world because whatever you think you're going to lose right is potentially why you're staying in that reality it could be a form of codependency happening Mm. so that's a great um, message to leave with the listeners like if that's something that if there's something that you're resisting the most or something that you feel like you're you're avoiding that's very much the thing that you need to lean into and do ASAP well Fiona that takes us to the end of this episode I've had a blast it's been you know roughly one hour but definitely could have kept on going Mm -hmm. so at the start of this episode Fiona you mentioned that you do run retreats so would you like to share with us you know what are some things coming up for you in your work what are you very excited about at the moment So I've got, yeah, I've got quite an interesting schedule. So I do one-on-one work. So one-on-one work tailored with 12-week programs for individuals doing specific outcome work. And then I also have a group program, women's program launching in the middle of October, which I'm super excited about. And that is literally taking women through an online transformation, which is something that I've wanted to create for so long and it's finally getting done now. So I'm super excited about that. And that'll be looking at ways, you know, releasing emotions, looking at your values as a woman, transitioning into womanhood, your behaviors, your belief systems, reframing all of that and really strategizing ways to really embody the woman you desire to be. So that one I'm really excited about. And then I also have my retreats as well with my business partners called Soul Experience. We take people down south and we surf, yoga meditation transformation down there and that is more of a an awakening for people to for them to realize if i change my story i change my life so we've got about six of the or october one's coming up in two weeks december jan Jan and feb all lined up at the moment so it's all all done at the moment yeah definitely um and for anyone who does want to reach out to you and get in touch where's the best place for them to find you yeah. At the moment, Instagram. So my Instagram's Fiona Marie Co, M-A-R-I-E-C-O. And just popping me a message or something, I'm in the process of building up an online system and platform, which eventually people will be able to go to. But for now, 
for now just Instagram. Yeah, that's cool. I feel like a lot of the listeners actually from Instagram, so that would be an easy way for them to reach you. Mm, Amazing. Well, Fiona, this has been really wonderful. It's been great to deep dive into some of these concepts and understand where behavior is really driven from because that allows people to increase their levels of awareness, consciousness, and truly change and transform their lives. So thank you, Fiona. Thank you. It was a ball. I could talk about this topic for hours. There's a wealth wealth of depth that can happen. It's been fun. Thank you for having me. And there it is, my conversation with transformation coach Fiona Marie. Now, that was one expansive and deep conversation. So if you are still here listening to the end of the episode, then huge kudos to you. Well done. I think some of the main takeaways from this conversation include, number one, being aware that reality is in the eye of the beholder. So all the results and all the achievements that you have been able to get to, all the challenges that you have faced, all of that is a projection of your own belief systems and something that is going on in your internal world. So understanding that so that when you do have challenges, especially if they are repeated challenges, you know where to look and you can turn internal to actually address the root cause of the problems, therefore being able to um, achieve greater results and at a higher level. Number two, understanding that everyone is capable of change. That's something that Fiona really went into, the fact that Even if you did have challenges in your childhood, at any point, you can still do the work and it all starts with awareness to overcome that. And lastly, as Fiona said, the most challenging step is the first one, overcoming the barrier of getting started and doing something that you may not have ever considered before, doing something that challenges you to potentially reconsider or relearn what you know about the world and what you know about yourself. So a lot of great takeaways. And if you do have any questions on this to dig even deeper into this conversation, please feel free to reach out to either Fiona or myself. We will both have our contact details in the show notes. So for now, I hope you all enjoy the rest of your day and I'll see you in the next episode.